Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. Eagle Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including... Movie reviews, celebrity interviews, classic radio shows, trivia contests, and movie reviews. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio Christmas episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae. But first, national movie critic Sarah Adamson is here to review two films that recently released, Janice, Little Girl Blue, and Hitchcock Truffaut. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Great. Let's talk about Janice, Little Girl Blue. Then we went to the Avalon Ballroom, and uh, Big Brother was not on the bill that night. But they went on and did three or four songs. Moby Grape let them have a set because Janice's parents were there. What's this film all about? It's rated R. It's a documentary by Jigsaw Productions. This is the documentary of Janice Joplin's life. And, you know, she was one of the most revered and uh, iconic rock and roll kind of blues singer of all time. Right. I mean, her voice is just unbelievable. I mean, we forget how great her voice is until we hear her actually singing. Oh, yeah. You know, we hear the name, you know, Janice Joplin, and you go, yeah, yeah. But then when you hear the tone yes. of her voice, it's like, wow. Yeah, she was incredible. And, you know, sadly, she passed away at, in 1970 at the age of 27. So the film is told through letters that Janice wrote in a, in a very creative way. I thought it was very, you know, very well done. And we have her siblings who have okayed this project. Mm-hmm. They've greenlit it. We have Linda and Michael, her younger siblings, talking about her, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Right. Um, and, you know, she was really bullied in school. She was in Texas. Mm-hmm. Where are there Texas? Mm-hmm. And it was not a good place to be if you're different. Right. She was different. Yeah. It was tough. And it's told through her photo albums, her yearbooks, by her friends, colleagues, and ex-boyfriends who are still around. <laughs> right. And you get so, to you get to hear her voice a lot in this. You do. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. You do. All right, so another clip from Janice, Little Girl Blue. I think that her own telling of her story was about the ability to make your life fit your values. And she found that opportunity in the music world of the 1960s. What did you think of the film? You know, I'm weighing on this, Carl. Three and a half stars. Very similar to the tragic Amy, Amy Winehouse documentary that we've talked about before. A lot of similarities. You know, they both had very poor self-esteem, drug habits, and both died at age 27. But both had these incredible voices. You know, I'd say if anyone out there is interested in knowing more about Janis Joplin, you know, this really is the film for you. It's really cool. Amy Berg directs here, mm-hmm. and she says really sheds the spotlight on Janice, not only as an individual, but her hard working ethic. She really was oh, a yeah. great musician, and you know I know she had problems with her drinking, but boy, she showed up. Yeah, she was there, ready to go. Right, it's it's uh, it's go time, and she was there. Yes. All right, that's three and a half stars for Janice, 
Little Girl Blue. Let's talk now about Hitchcock Truffaut. The Truffaut Hitchcock book was really revolutionary. We became radicalized as movie makers. It was almost as if somebody had taken a weight off our shoulders and said, yes, we can embrace this, we could go. I have a favorite little saying to myself, logic is dull. So what's this film all about? It's about this legendary interview that took place between Francois Truffaut and Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. You know, they were so different. Truffaut was 30, Hitchcock was 62, near the end of his career. And Truffaut really idolized Hitchcock. Yes. So he wanted to find out all of the secrets to his filmmaking. Yes. So he did, and it was like a week-long interview is what mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they sat down, and he explained all of his movies. Right, and why did you do this angle? Why did you put a glass floor, and you can see this, and... How about Psycho and, you know, and Hitchcock said, well, I did some of it in slow motion. Yes. He literally from the man's lips himself, Alfred Hitchcock, you understand now these films that he created. Thanks to Francois Truffaut. Yes, absolutely. And it has become the filmmaking Bible, really. It's it's a 367 page document that it's a book, but filmmakers use it. It came out in 1966. It's called Cinema According to Hitchcock. Yes. All right, another clip from Hitchcock, Truffaut. I'm never satisfied with the ordinary. I've tried to play the audience like an organ. You know, there are certain rules, and he destroyed all those rules. So what did you think of this film? You know, I'm way in. Um, three stars out of four. The film's director is Kent Jones, and he's a film historian to begin with. So he's pretty knowledgeable, which is great. What I enjoyed about it, we have contemporary filmmakers right. like David Fincher, Martin Scorsese, and we get their point of view. Right. And I did interview Kent Jones and talked with him about his film, and he does have the famous quote in the film when Hitchcock says, actors are cattle. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, boy. Right. Uh-oh. And I said to him, hmm, that's interesting because I've interviewed both Tippi Hedron and Martin Landau, and they told me that Hitchcock really welcomed their suggestions sure. and, with developing the characters. Yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, you are so right. Yes. He said, that was only Hitchcock's way of creating this mystique yeah. and, per, and this off-limits persona. Sure. A lot of these myths are busted in this, in this documentary, they aren't they, were. about Hitchcock? Yes, they really are. And I can see this film being shown in film classes. Yeah. All right, so how many stars for this? Three and a half. Three and a half stars for Hitchcock Truffaut and three and a half stars for Janice Little Girl Blue. You heard it here on Hollywood 360, but check out all of Sarah Adamson's reviews, not just the ones she does on this show, at her website, which is sarahsbackstagepass.com. Sarah, great having you on the show. Thank you, Carl. It's always my pleasure. Au revoir. Au revoir, Lisa. All right, so that is uh, Sarah Adamson. Make sure you go to her website, sarahsbackstagepass.com. When we come back from the break, it's Tales of the Texas Rangers. Stay with us. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Tales of the Texas Rangers, Lisa, is a very popular show. It started in 1950, ran to 1952. And, uh, you know, westerns were a very popular genre on radio and television. This was sort of an adult western, but it was set in modern day. That's the interesting thing about it. It was uh, all about Texas Rangers who fought bad guys all along the uh, the border. 
and in Texas and all around Texas. And the star of the show was a movie star, Joel McRae. He played lead ranger Jace Pearson, who used forensic science to track and identify criminals. Though most of the criminals used automobiles, the plots would often necessitate Pearson using his faithful horse, Charcoal. The producer-director was our friend's pop, Stacy Keach Sr. He traveled to Texas and worked with these Texas Rangers and uh, created a very realistic series. It was really a uh, sort of a lot like Dragnet, okay? Dragnet was all about police and uh, the L.A. Police Department and how they solved crimes. Well, this is all about the Texas Rangers, modern day, and how they solve crimes. I think you're going to like this. This is a Christmas story called The Christmas Present. Stars Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. And this is from December 24th, Christmas Eve, 1950. Let's tune this in. Part one of Tales of the Texas Rangers. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Christmas present. It is 2 p.m. December 21st, four days before Christmas in the Depression year of 1931. On a city street corner in North Texas, a man dressed as Santa Claus suddenly leaves his post beside a large red pot labeled Help the Poor. Shivering with cold, he enters the newly opened building of the Panhandle Equity Bank and approaches the bank guard. Say, Master, you mind if I stay in here a few minutes, warm up a little? I sure don't. I've been watching you through the window. Don't know how you stood it as long as you did. Oh, this Santa Claus outfit's pretty warm at first, but then the cold sort of creeps in on you. How long do they expect you to stand out in that? Oh, eight to two. Six hours, that's all. Well, it's uh, two o'clock right now. You can go home. Uh, not till my relief man shows up, I can't. Can't leave till he gets here some money in the pot out there. Oh. Well, why don't you wait right in here till you see him? Well, I was hoping you'd say that, because I'm sure... Oh, there he is now. Just drove up in the car. Oh, he can't leave a car parked there in front of the bank. There's a time limit on parking. Well, I think he's just wondering why I'm not there. I better go out and... Oh, he sees me. He's coming in. Howdy. Howdy. Was wondering when you get here. God let me come in and warm up. I hope your Santa Claus suit is warmer than his. We'll be closed up by the time you need warming. I don't think I'll get very cold. I got a cold 45 in my pocket pointer right for your belly. Now, don't move. Oh, don't move, he said. Keep your hand away from your gun. You, you guys are pulling the stick up. No kidding. You figure that all out by yourself, stupid? Let's make it a nice, quiet stick up, huh? Just walk to the rear of the bank with us. Take us through the door to the money in the vault. Now, go on. You'll never get away with this. You're just trying to attract any attention. You'll never live to know whether we do or not. All right. Open that door. The girl by the desk has to open it. It's button control. Well, tell her you won't end. Me, uh, Miss Keene. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Lovett. Your Santa Claus friend's coming in with you? Yeah. Where's 
so busy, I didn't even notice it. Something wrong, Mr. Lovett? You look kind of sick. You'd be more than sick if you let out one yell. They got guns in their pockets, Miss Keene. Oh, Watch your mouth, sister. Nobody else can see us now. Take his gun. I've got it. Now, sister, whether he lives or not is up to you, understand? What do you want me to do? Open the case of those money trays. Get to it. All right. You got the sack. Tell her what to put in it. Stuff it into your jacket when you're through. All right. And remember, sis, one yap and this jerk gets it. All right, all right. Go on. Come on, I'm stuffing the sack. What are you going to do when you leave? Come on, fast. What do you mean? We'll give you a chance to get away. I mean, we won't yell or anything until you're gone. Honest. Oh, yeah, that's real nice of you. Maybe you ought to be wearing the Santa Claus suit instead of me. You think I'm going to fall for a pull you up, pull you? One of the bank executives is heading back here. Oh, all right, all right. I'm almost through. As soon as I get it in my... Hey, what are you doing back here, Lovett? Why aren't you out front? Uh, these Santa Claus fellas, Mr. Peabody, just wanted to... Well, what's the other one doing in the ball fair? Miss Keene, what the... Oh! You can answer this question later. When and if he comes to. Congratulations on your self-control. You're liable to get medals for saving your own lives. All right, all right, let's go. I got all it. right, let's leave these people the quiet. Wait. Oh! A statewide alarm was put out to all law enforcement agencies in a matter of minutes, but the perpetrators of the Santa Claus stick-up had vanished. Texas Ranger Jace Pearson, closest unit to the scene of the crime, was requested to investigate. The chief police gave me the general details. I'd like to get your story firsthand. Well, I I saw the guard take them through there, Ranger. And I, I went back to see why he was leaving his post on the bank floor, and that that's when I got hit. You have any idea how big they were? No, I don't. I was too excited. I see. What's your name? Leon Peabody. I'm second vice president. Well, how about the girl, Miss Keene, and the guard, Lovett? Both of them were knocked out, too. Miss Keene finally came to and we sent her home, but... They took Lovett to the hospital. He, he wasn't in good shape. Skull fracture? They don't know. Oh, how come you stayed around? That's a nasty bump you've got. <laughs> I feel it, too. Plenty. Ooh. But uh, I knew the police would need whatever information there is, so I stayed. Yeah, you better sit down. Oh, thanks. You think you could recognize either of the hold-up men? <laughs> Dressed the way they were? I'm afraid not. It's a cinch they chucked those Santa Claus suits right after they left here. I hope they left a few fingerprints. Yeah, both of them were, were wearing gloves. Uh, you get a tally on how much they made off with. Yeah, we're, we're running a tape on it. We'll know in a couple of minutes. Hmm. Men who pulled this job worked pretty smoothly. They seem to know the setup behind the partitions there. Have any of your employees ever been in any trouble? Well, those men weren't employees of the bank. Uh, I know they weren't. But somebody inside could have supplied them with your new layout. Help them plan the job. Well, sir, all of our employees have been with us for at least a year, and we haven't taken on any new ones since we moved over here two months ago. Mr. Peabody. Uh, oh, yes, Donnelly. Is that the rundown? Yes, sir. 63,800. And we've got serial numbers on some of the larger bills. Good. That'll help if they try to pass any. I'll take a copy of that list. Police can alert the other banks and merchants. We'll get numbers out on the statewide and interstate. We may run down some more serial numbers when we cross-check deposit. That'll be fine. I think you ought to go home now, Mr. Peabody. We can reach you there if you're needed. Oh, thank you. I guess I shouldn't even think about myself, though. I'm a bachelor, but the God love it. He's got a wife and three children. Yeah. Pretty rotten Christmas present for them if he, he doesn't pull through. Mm -hmm. 
paid a call on Miss Keene, the girl who'd been slugged, but she was in a state of shock and hysteria. By nightfall, all possible angles had been checked, and we still didn't have a lead. My boss, Ranger Captain Stinson, flew in, and I met him at the airport and drove him to town. You talked to all the welfare agencies that have Santa Clauses stationed on the streets? Yeah, and every man they have checked out clean. It was a phony setup, Captain. Even though one of the bandits spent the whole day right out in the corner outside the bank. Well, that was smart. Got the bank guard used to seeing him. Yeah. City police are checking to see if they can find out where the suits came from and who got them. Good idea. How's the bank guard doing? Love it. I checked the hospital. He's still out. No fracture, but they can't bring him around. He may have... KTXA to Unit 10. That's yours, Jason. Yeah. Unit 10. Go ahead, KTXA. City police report stolen car found in alley off Crockett Street between Maple and Lolly. Maybe car used in Panhandle Equity Bank robbery. Police chief requests your assistance. 10-4. Proceeding there immediately. 10-4. Unit 10, clear. KDXA Austin. We better get there fast. This may be the break we need. Here it is, Rangers. Abandoned in the alley. Prowl car's spot didn't check the license on the stolen car list. When was it reported stolen, Chief? Early this morning, but the owner says it might have been missing since yesterday. He's been away. You check on him? Yep, he's clear. That's where he said he was. What makes you fellas think this is the car? Found this on the floor, under the seat. Big red button. Hmm. Off a Santa suit, all right. I'm going to climb in behind the wheel for a second. Ask one of the men in the prowl car to flash his light this way. Sure. Let's have a spotlight here, will you, boys? Okay, Chief. That do, Ranger? Yeah, that's fine. Have any of your men moved this rear vision mirror, Chief? Nope. How about this front seat? You slide it back to get that button you found? No, just saw it under there and reached in and got it. What are you trying to figure, Jace? The last fellow who drove this car was pretty big. About an inch or an inch and a half taller than I am. What makes you think so? Because the seat's all the way back where it would be for a tall driver. And I have to raise myself a bit to get a clear view through the rear vision mirror. Well, that's good thinking, Jess. Yeah, but maybe he didn't touch anything. Maybe he left the car just like it was when he stole it. I'll give odds against that. man who's getting away from a bank stick-up wants to know what's coming behind him. I always want to know if someone's coming up behind me, Lisa. Yeah, you got to keep looking gotta around all the time. be careful about that. You never know. It could be creeping up behind you. That's true. Never want to have your back to somebody. Tap you on the shoulder and turn around. And it's like, yeah, what is that? Right? And then it might be too late. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> got to be careful. You know, they say you should have eyes in the back of your head. Right. right. All right. That's the first portion of Tales of the Texas Rangers. With Joel McRae in The Christmas Present, Good Christmas Story from 1950. And in the cast, Tony Barrett, also James Nusser, Virginia Gregg, and Byron Kane. Produced by Stacy Keach's dad, Stacy Keach Sr., Hal Gibney doing the announcing. We'll get back to that in uh, a few minutes. How many, Lisa? Yeah, a few. Set, set your uh, stopwatch so okay, we know about how few. many. Um, okay, so it's time now for another Jim Morrison song. In the Doors, of course, he was uh, the uh, lead singer of of uh, the band The Doors, and this is another song that he sung. Take a listen. All your love. That's all you get. 
Huh? That's a quick one. Yep, I'm still singing the line. That's, That's a quick one. <laughs> all right, if you know what song that is, call us toll free 855-360-H360. That's it. 855-360-H360. The H is a four. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. Uh, do you know it? Yes, I'm just going to continue you, were singing. You a, were you a Doors fan or are you a Doors fan? Yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. Who's, who isn't, really? Yeah, they're great. All your love. That's all you get. All right, call us. Tell us what song that is. You will win some fabulous prizes my Krabby brother will send to you. Call us now, 855-360-H360. We'll be right back. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. Lisa, are you awake over there? Me? Yeah. Hello? It's you that's Hello? kind of falling over yeah, Lisa. today. Lisa. Lisa. Are you there? Oh, I'm here. Hello? <laughs> Hello. Did you hang up on me? <laughs> that's what you often do with the uh, speaker there. Little are microphone you there, play. Lisa? All right. So we played this song. Sung by the great Jim Morrison. We played that clip from the song, I should say. And we asked our listeners to call, and every light in the whole place lit up, including the lights above the uh, studio here. Every yes, light. and the Christmas tree lights just went every on Every single somehow. one of them. And Paul called in from Portland, Maine, and got through. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, thank you. Uh, good to talk to you. Paul, you have a deep voice. Any ever do any radio? Uh, no, this is my first time. <laughs> no, yeah, you never did any radio in college or anything like that. You got a good uh, radio voice there, buddy. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. You guys have great ones. Thank I you. I listen to the show all the time. Do you? Um, those Don Wilson and those guys. Uh, what a great. What oh a great yeah, job. that must have they, been. You know what? To be an announcer on that show, can you imagine how much fun that was? Not a lot yeah. of pressure. Just had to read the commercials. Get paid lots of money. We were born in the wrong. Uh, Era, Paul. Could have been doing that, right? The show. Uh, thanks so much. That's very nice. We appreciate it. We have a lot of fun doing it, Lisa and I. Well, we're... he's speaking for me. But yeah. He has a lot of fun. Yeah. Now. I have a lot of fun working with Lisa. <laughs> That's what I was trying <laughs> yeah. to say. Loquacious. Uh, yeah, she is loquacious. <laughs> uh, all right. So, what song is this? I think it's Love Her Manly. Yes, you're absolutely right, Paul which means uh, you're going to get some fun prizes. I want to make sure my brother sends you some good stuff, okay? That's wonderful. All right, buddy. Merry Christmas to you, Paul. You too. Thank you. Take care. God bless you. Paul knew it, Lisa. Yes, he he did. Yes, he did. He knew it was Love Her Madly. I just love the doors. I I want to go buy a CD now by them. Yeah, or you can just download it on your phone. (laughs) No, I can't do that. That's technology. (laughs) That's too difficult. I buy the uh, I buy the uh, eight track tape. That way I can. Eight track cassette. (laughs) Yeah, I buy the eight track tape. Put that right in my 1974 Corvair. What's a Corvair? Yeah, my you know my Gremlin. It's like looks like a Gremlin. Okay. And I put the eight track tape in there. I've got my Yugo part. Blast that (laughs) monaural. Blast that beautiful monaural sound, and uh, I'm good to go. Right? It's, it's it was how a, I it roll. Was a, you know what? It was a good time. I wear my bell-bottom shoes. That's how you roll? My bell-bottom pants, Your I mean. Shoes. <laughs> my bell-bottom pants. The platform shoes with platform the bell-bottom shoes. pants. I remember I had like red, white, and blue platform shoes. Do you, Did believe, you, really? do you believe that? I do. Because what was you, wrong with you, me? You, yeah. I haven't changed. I'm still a lot of things wrong with me. 
But I <laughs> had, you no longer and I remember those. saying to my mom, Mom, I got to have these shoes. The my red, mom's like, blue. you're going to fall. You're going to break your ankles. I'm like, Ma, I got to have these. I got to have these red, white, and blue uh, platform shoes. And you know what happened the very first time I wore you them? Broke your I ankle. twisted my ankle. Of course you did. Moms it, know these things. I, she was 100% right. Of course, I didn't tell her that well, you were right, knows. Mom. I twisted my ankle, but she was exactly <laughs> right. And that's it. I, I put them on and I was like, oh man, I'm seven inches taller or whatever I was. And then I took one step, twisted my ankle. And then and, did you and, keep wearing no, them No, I just anyways? like, I toughed it out, pretended like I didn't. No big deal. And I uh, went to the Stay Out discotheque that week and uh, that weekend. And did you feel With taller? my buddy Vince Lombardi. And uh, first we would prim and proper and prime in the, in the, in the, you know. In the before, bathroom? Well, yeah, we would like. That. Yeah, you know that we do all that, and then uh, we go there and try I, to try I, to try I to pick up girls. Bet she looks pretty darn great. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to tales of the Texas Rangers. All roads out of the city had been under watch since the report of the robbery, so the men we were after figured to be close by. But all we knew was that one of them was about six foot three. In the morning, we made a routine check with police headquarters. Morning, Rangers. Morning, Chief. Morning, Chief. Your men come across anything? I'm just going to check through this report. Tells us the location of just about every Santa Claus suit in town. All of them belong to organizations, use them for their Christmas parties. Was once in a while, they let some private individual bomb a kid party or something, as if they put up deposit money. You got a list of the places that have loaned suits out and who got them? That top paper. I was just starting to check it. Look, if you like. Thanks. Looks like we might be adding a murder charge to the armed robbery, Captain. The bank guard dead? Not yet, but it looks bad. They're operating for a blood clot on the brain. He's, uh... Wait a minute. What is it, Jase? I think we've got a boy to talk to. Look at this list. Two suits borrowed from two different organizations, but both borrowed by the same man, Anthony Ross, 124 Pettigrosa Street. Say, that's worth looking into, Jace. Come on. Let's pick him up. The home of Anthony Ross at 124 Pettigrosa Street turned out to be a rundown shack on the outskirts of town. A small boy and girl, not dressed well enough against the cold, stopped playing with a mongrel dog as we drove up. They stared at us while we went up the rickety porch, the dog barking at our heels. It's all right, boy. It's all right. Take it easy. Good pup. There's a good... Yeah, what... Oh, Texas Rangers. You Anthony Ross? Yeah. We'd like to come in. Oh, sure. Annie, you and Jim take the dog in the back of the house and play there. Look at those suit boxes, Jase. Yeah, I see them. What do you want to see me about? We can start with those boxes on the table. What's in them? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Just just a couple of packages. That's all. They, they ain't mine. You better open them up, Jason. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I, I, I tell you, they ain't mine. You got no right to... This go... search warrant says we have. Search warrant? Now, look. Now, the, those things ain't stolen. They were rented. Yeah. A couple of Santa suits, all right, Captain. And look. A button missing from the jacket of this one. I, I, I don't know what this is all about. Why, why are you coming Maybe we can refresh your memory. The guard you slugged at the Panhandle Equity Bank isn't expected to live. What? Who was wearing the other suit, Ross? 
Who was your partner? What are you guys doing to me? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. We're talking about the $63,000 stick-up you and somebody else pulled yesterday. And since you're about five foot ten, I can tell you that your partner's about six three. Rangers, you're making a mistake. I, I, I don't even know anything about a holdup. The button missing from this suit was found in your getaway car, the one your partner drove. It wasn't me. I, I tell you, I, I didn't even know what kind of costumes were in them boxes. They ain't mine. And where'd you get them? Uh, I, I picked them up at, at, a, at a couple of places yesterday morning. You say you picked them up, and you're trying to tell us you don't know what's in the boxes. I picked them up for somebody else. They were rented out in your name. The woman ordered them in my name. What woman? The one who hired me to pick them up. That's a pretty phony story, Ross. Who was this woman you're talking about? What's her name? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know. You better come with us, Ross. No, 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 no. You, you got to listen to me. Please, please listen. You, you got to believe me. I... I, I was in town early yesterday morning. She she come right up to me on the street. I, I was putting pulling my, my, my kid's old wagon along, trying to find some junk I might sell. You sure you don't want to think this story over before you go any further? She she, she asked me if I wanted to earn a dollar running a couple of errands. I said sure. A, a buck could give my kids a meal for a change. She asked me my name and address, and I told her. And then then she told me to wait while. Or she went into a booth and made some phone calls. When she come out, she sent me to two different clubs, told me there'd be costumes and packages. She had them left in my name to, to avoid confusion, she said. You didn't think that was funny? Mister, all I could think about was earning that dollar. She, she gave me money, deposit money for the costumes, and, and told me to come back and meet her with the stuff on that same corner. Where were you at 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon? I, I, I was looking around for a junk again for a couple hours after I delivered the packages. And, and I, I guess at, at 2 o'clock, I, I was walking back home from town. It's a long walk to here in this weather. Cost of a bus ride will buy a loaf of bread for the kids you saw outside. Is that a crime? What's it to you if I walk my feet off to feed my kids? All right, Ross. That was a nice act. But there's a big hole in it. You say you delivered the Santa Claus suits to a woman you didn't know. But you've still got them. Yeah, I got them. They're going to mean a good Christmas. Yeah, but you're not going to believe what I tell you. The woman came here last night, drove up in a car, woke me up. She, she, she said she was leaving town in a hurry. It didn't have time to take the costumes back herself and... Uh, and if I take them back, I, I could keep the deposits. Fifteen dollars each. Yeah, but you're not going to believe that, are you? You better get your coat. Will you, will you give me a chance to ask one of the neighbors to watch out for my kids? I'm afraid you'll be gone too long for that. I'm sorry, but we'll have to take him into the juvenile home. Oh. <laughs> I guess... I guess they'll get better care there than I've been able to give them. I get my coat. Ross, you been doing any painting around here? Painting? This place looked like it ever saw paint. What made you ask that, Jason? I just noticed this inside the leg of this Santa Claus suit. Paint blob. Looks fresh. Well, how come it's inside the leg, not outside? I don't know. That's something we'll have to figure. This is the large size suit. 
Must have been worn by the big boy we're looking for. The captain and I did a job we hated. Dropping the Ross kids off at the juvenile home. Sometimes it's the only thing to do. They cried for their father. Always makes something inside you cry a little with them. We took Ross to the jail and locked him up. Well, that seems to be it, Rangers. By the time he comes up for trial, he should be ready to name his accomplice. That is, if we don't find him before then. I'd go along with that, Chief, if we'd found any money on him or in the house, even a few dollars. Uh, kids got under your skin, huh, Jason? They got under yours, too, Captain. You know it. Yeah, but we got to remember, that bank guard has kids, too. You got any late reports on him from the hospital? Man stationed there says the operation is over. Don't know how it's going to come out yet, though. You might as well go over there and check with the doctors, Jace. I got to get back to company headquarters. Do me a favor, then. You're heading toward Austin. Take the Santa outfits with you and have them sent on to the lab. Get an analysis of that paint in the trousers. Maybe some traces in the boots, too. Well, how come the boots? Well, they're made to go on over regular shoes. I figured that paint stain on the inside of the pants came from a blob of paint on the shoe of the man who put them on. I see. All right, Jace, you want to know the content of the paint and see if Lab can run down the source, is that it? Yeah. You were working up to some kind of a lead? Maybe. A few things I'm trying to fit together. Maybe they won't fit. If they do, though, you'll hear from me. the hospital and checked with the doctors, but the outcome was still in doubt. The guard's wife was there, face twisted with worry and fear. There was nothing I could do to help, so I got some sleep. Then in the morning, I went back to see the police chief. Oh, Ranger, I'm glad you dropped in. I just had a long-distance call from your lab headquarters at Austin. Report on that paint. Mm-hmm. Here, I wrote it all down. Paint is manufactured right here in town. Brand name is Light Glow. Light Glow, huh? Mm-hmm. Can you get a list of local painting contractors who use it? Well, I reckon just about all of them do. It's good paint, and this wouldn't hardly be Texas if we didn't deal with a local outfit, would it? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Thanks a lot. I'll see you later. Where are you going? Over to the Panhandle Equity Bank. Mr. Peabody, do you know who painted this bank before you opened? Well, the, the contract for the building included the painting. I guess that was done on a subcontract. Can you find out from the contractor? Sure, but do you mind my asking why? I told you the day of the robbery. Everything was too well planned. Like the men who did it knew the inside of the bank. As I remember you saying that. You think the painters may have? Uh, that's what I think. But uh, why not some of the construction men? I've got a reason for being interested in painters. Check it for me, will you? He checked. Contractor gave the name of the painters. Two men, Eddie West and Martin Poggin. They'd been working the day of the robbery, he said, at a house on the north side of town. I went out to the house to see the owner. Why, yes, Ranger. They worked here all day that day. I remember we heard the report of the robbery on the radio. They were both here all day? Yes. Didn't even go out to eat? Had their lunches with them. Hmm, kind of smelly when the house gets painted. Most women usually get out of the way. I wanted to watch them. So I was here every minute to see they didn't get sloppy. I like things neat. I see. Well, thanks, ma'am. I'm sorry I bothered you. Uh, why are you asking about them, Ranger? Nothing important. 
Not as long as you say they were here. Goodbye, ma'am. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, the same to you, Ranger. Merry Christmas. She was the alibi for Eddie West and Martin Poggin. But she was too nervous about answering a few simple questions. Nervous enough to make me wonder. I went back to the jail, got Anthony Ross out in my custody, and drove him to the north side of town. All right, get out, Ross. We're going in here for a minute. Why? What are you trying to frame now? I just want you to meet somebody. Well, back again, Ranger. I thought we'd... That's her. Ranger, that's the woman... Who is he? Who is this man? You ought to remember me, lady. My kids are in juvenile home on account of you, and I've been in jail. I never saw you before in my whole life. Tell him the truth. Tell him before I... Hold it, Ross. Take him away from here. Go away, both of you. Ranger, I got those costumes for her. For her. You're a liar, a liar. That word fits somebody, all right. Can I come in and have a look around, ma'am? What for? What do you want? I want to check over the painting job to see if it's just new painting or if there's some new plaster under it someplace. You can't come in. You have no right. The boys you're alibi on for must have come back here after they cracked the bank. Because you must have picked them up in your car after they ditched the one they're using. I don't know what you're talking about. You wouldn't carry the money on them. Did they cover it up here, safe under fresh plaster and paint until it cools no. off? No! No! I can call for a search warrant and wait till the crew comes and tears this place apart. It'll go better for you if you don't try to cover. The money isn't here. Well, come on, come on. Where is it? It... It's here, all right. In that wall. Behind the picture. Come on, Ross. Which one's your boyfriend? Hogan or West? Eddie. West. He said we'd get married. Go to Europe next year. You'll all go someplace next year, but it won't be Europe. West about six foot three? Yes. How did you know? I got an early Christmas present. Somebody sent me a crystal ball. As soon as I call the police and dig out that bank money, you're coming with us. Ranger, uh, I'm clear now, ain't I? Looks that way, Ross, but you'll have to go back to jail for a while and be checked out by the local police. That won't take any longer than it'll take me to pick up Eddie West and Martin Poggin. I made my call, then took West's girlfriend and Anthony Ross back to jail. Poggin and West were playing it smart working right up to Christmas Eve like a couple of house painters would be doing. I found out where they were working, a loft of a warehouse. Local police covered the building while I went in. Eddie, who's that? Who came in? Probably the watchman. Watch out for those paint cans. Don't worry. I see them. That ain't the watchman's voice, Eddie. Come out of the shadows where we can see you. I'm coming. But seeing me isn't going to make you happy. Eddie, Eddie, it's a Texas Ranger. Shut up, Hogan. I got my gun. Hi there, Ranger. Something you want? Yeah. I want the two men who robbed the Panhandle Equity Bank. Shut up. What would we know about that, Ranger? Come down off that scaffold and I'll tell you. Okay. Marty, lower way. Too bad you aren't working in a place with a phone. Your girlfriend could have warned you earlier. Eddie, he knows I'll get him. Keep your hands away. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm bleeding. 
I just nicked you when you tried to dig for that gun in your pocket. You're not hurt. Oh, we didn't do nothing, Ranger. Somebody should have told you that the real Santa Claus gives. He doesn't take. Get up and try this present I've got for you. A pair of handcuffs. Well, that winds it up for sure, Ranger. Didn't turn out too bad either. Just heard from the hospital. Guard passed the crisis. He's going to be all right. You couldn't have better news, Chief. Just in time, too. It's getting dark. Christmas Eve. Uh, you let Anthony Ross go? Mm-hmm. About ten minutes ago. He didn't seem too happy, though. Like, just like he didn't care. What with his kids in the juvenile home and everything. Judge mightn't even release him if he can't care for him. Mm. Ross didn't have a dime. Not even bus fare. It'd take him a couple hours to walk home. Oh, why didn't I think? Well, maybe it's just as well that way. Let me call the judge. And Mr. Peabody, the bank vice president. Mm-hmm. Stores uh, will be open late, won't they? Sure, sure. Why? It'll take Ross a long time to get to his house. Maybe we can get some of your boys to help us and change his mind about Christmas. There's Ross. You hear him coming up the walk now? Mm-hmm. Coming slow. His tail is dragging. Yeah. Not that I blame him. Are the kids asleep? <laughs> yep. All bundled up in them new blankets. Shh, shh. What? Ranger. And the chief. The, the lights. Lights. They're on. The power company turned them off. Yeah. They sent a man out to turn them on again. What? What? what what's all this stuff? Ornaments, Christmas tree, all those toys and things. Tomorrow's Christmas, Ross. For you and your kids. They're in the bedroom asleep. My my kids. You you brought my kids back to me. Yes, and there's plenty of grub in the kitchen. And you've got a job. Starting next week at the Panhandle Equity Bank. Just go in and see Mr. Peabody after the holidays. Meanwhile, he sent you a little cash in this envelope. <laughs> sort of a Christmas bonus, just like the rest of the employees get. We have to be going. Merry Christmas. Yep. Merry Christmas, Rose. Merry Christmas, fellas. Merry Christmas. And God bless you. Thanks. On behalf of all of us on Tales of the Texas Rangers, this is Joel McRae wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Shepard Menken, Jim Nusser, Virginia Gregg, Victor Rodman, and Byron Kane. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. This is Hal Gibney speaking. 
Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's the famous NBC chimes, Lisa, on the end of Tales of the Texas Rangers. And that is called The Christmas Present from December 24th, 1950, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Let's take a break, then it's more on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Lisa, in our next hour, we're going to tune into one of the best escape episodes of the series. It's called Back for Christmas. You won't want to miss it. Paul Freese, one of the greatest voice actors uh, of all time, stars in it. It's heard on CBS. And before that, it's Bill Stern and his sports newsreel with special guest Ezra Stone, who played Henry Aldrich on the radio. So that's all coming your way in our next hour. Don't go away. Lisa and I and Mike Costello will be right back.